De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're welcoming back Kamala Thompson for the monthly CMO Confidential Series. In this series, Kamala and I will be revealing the topics that marketing leaders wrestle with without the marketing hype. And for this week, Campbell and I are going to be talking about the rise of the buyer's toolkit, trade show strategy, and the decline of syndicated analysts. Kamala Thompson is the VP of Marketing at CaliberMind, which is the leading B2B platform for revenue insights you can trust. Kamala is also the host of the Revenue Marketing Report podcast. So far this week, Kamala and I have talked about whether the buyer's toolkit means friction for sellers and the downfall of syndicated analysts. And today, we're going to wrap up our CMO Confidential conversation by talking about in-person events. They're back, but are they producing? Okay, here's my conversation with Kamala Thompson, the VP of Marketing at CaliberMind. Kamala, we have ruined our careers in two short episodes. We've effectively said that the buyer's toolkit is on its way. Therefore, you don't need marketers because everything is just going to happen automatically and magically. Virtual high five. And the second thing we did is we said that the analyst community's business model is in flux. How's this for diplomatic? And they really need to understand that that is changing and marketers are now cynics. Today, we're going to get back to safety land. You ready? Here we are. Back to safety land. We are going to talk about in-person events. Woo! It's so safe. So safe. <laughs> this is my topic for the week. So I'll set it up, Kamala, in, in that it is invigorating to be, if anybody has not been out on a trade show floor in the last three years, get out there. Wear your mask, but get out there. The energy is, you can almost see it. It's kinetic. People are so excited to be back in person. And prior to the pandemic, you had what I would call a twofer strategy at trade shows, which was typically you were engaging with a combination of buyers who had done a fair amount of research and was showing up and it was like, I'm, I'm going to get to my final four at this trade show. And folks that had not heard about the company and were getting to understand the brand and learn about the brand. And if they had a good experience in the trade show booth, that meant future pipeline. Twofer, my favorite thing. So we've leaned in hard. We have certainly tested the idea that trade shows are going to be producing a lot of both awareness and pipeline. And our results have been sort of mixed. And I think a part of the, what's happening, our interpretation, what's happening is, interestingly enough, you know, two days ago, we talked about the buyer's toolkit and how well-informed buyers are. A lot more buyers are beginning their investigation process at trade shows than I think have ever before. And Guess what? Buyer's Toolkit has created a scenario where those informed buyers don't need to show up at the booth anymore. They've got all their stuff. And if they come to your booth, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm on the phone with so-and-so. We're talking about such-and-such -such product. Good to see you. We'll give them a T-shirt. Right? We're not really engaging with that buyer. They've already been engaged with. That's been our experience. What about for you? I know you guys are kind of toe-in-water on the in-person event front, but what have you guys been seeing? 
You know, I think we're in a really different boat because we have such a limited budget and I have to be so cautious about where I spend it. And I have a bunch of cynics on the board and the executive team about the payoff of events at our stage. So it's really hard for me to justify an event without a speaking engagement or something else we can attach to to make it a little bit more meaningful. So if you can get in front of folks in a different way that's meaningful, adding to that buyer toolkit experience, you know, a compelling speaking session, some really enthusiastic customers who are willing to participate on a panel about a best practice topic that's product agnostic, something along those lines. If you have that, absolutely. I think that's such a great opportunity to generate a little more the two for instead of just engaging with people who are already engaged with you. Otherwise, we're really looking at just participating in events where we know people in flight are already going. And it's been a tough decision-making process. It really has, especially with COVID fluctuating. And in the summer, we saw people, we work with a really introverted audience, and we saw people taking the excuse during the nice weather not to be in person. It's kind of a little bit of a crapshoot still. I think we've seen that change as the weather's cooled down. We have some really big, compelling events like yours, the Opstars. I've seen it all over social media. So I'm having a bit of FOMO. But I think we're in a slightly different position and a little, a little gun shy. You brought up something I think that's really key to the decision making that has to occur. And in the case of Caliber Mines and your budget, those are big investments, right? Really big investments. Absolutely. I'll spit out some numbers for you. We will have spent north of $300,000 on Dreamforce, which I feel like is a relatively low price tag for Dreamforce, by the way. All in, maybe it's a bit higher. My head of DG is screaming at me right now, I'm sure. It's, it's bigger than that, my friend. But $300,000, that's a pretty big investment. Now, did we get a return? I feel very confident that we're going to see a lot of that twofer stuff happening, Kamala. But, you know, jury's still out. We had several events this year where, you know, as I say, it's like rush hour at Mumbai. The booth, wave after wave, and, you're, you know, you have folks showing up, the cheerful chipmunks, right? And they're at the beginning of their buyer's journey, which is, you know, absolutely fascinating. So... As we're looking at it, we're saying, okay, guess what? The trade show circuit, live events, they're an important part of our mix, but our playbook's got to change. And you talked about some key elements of the playbook that used to work for me. Do I have a speaking slot, right? Do I have enthusiastic customers who are willing to get up there with me or potentially on their own to talk about my brand, right? Am I able to pre-book attendees? Am I able to find those folks in my pipeline who are maybe stuck a little bit? or sort of the top of the funnel, I know I can accelerate them through. Guess what? That's our playbook too, Kamala. And I have to say, it hasn't been working. And it hasn't been working because, in my opinion, the buyer's toolkit. So many of these folks are already informed. So you're getting the, and this is a positive term, cheerful chipmunks in droves. And so guess what? To me, I feel like what's happening is they're back. They're producing, but in a different way than marketers expected. And it's, they're producing in the sense that we're able to create a really good brand impression out of the gate, by in-person, with a real person that's real standing across from you, their bad breath and everything, right? In front of me, creating an impression that I couldn't create via Zoom or another way. And those folks eventually, if we nurture them correctly and recognize where they are on the buyer's journey, they're going to turn into customers one day. Right. And I think part of the FOMO I experience is I know as a brand, if we're not out there, it can potentially be a ding against us if we're not getting out there on a consistent basis. There are some shows 
with enough of our buyer audience who expect to see certain vendors there, if we're not there, that could be problematic and we're missing an opportunity to reaffirm our brand. It's interesting. I think you really have to think about these events as a long-term play and not an immediate turnaround or you're setting the wrong expectations with the board and they're not going to want to invest in it anyhow. Yeah, the, the term I want to use is long tail. So here's my recommendation because I think that Camel and I represent sort of the extremes right now. Camel's organization's budgets are not going to allow her to lean heavily into trade shows. It just is what it is, right? On the flip side, it's a rocket ship. We're growing incredibly fast at Lean Data. We have more budget as a result of that, right? There's more to invest. And the flip side of that is that we've really kind of peanut butter spread very smartly and strategically, of course. It's not random, but we sort of peanut butter spread a lot of activity across a series of trade shows and events. And the experience that we're having is that, you know, we're not going to turn this into immediate business in the way that we thought we would. That's the term long tail. So long tail, like as an example, long tail keyword, that just basically means somebody's created such a giant keyword search term that it shows this intensely high intent. And I actually want to compete for that keyword above fat heads. In other words, keywords that are simple, like software. I think that we have a similar thing, which is that there is a long tail to that journey, to the buyer's journey that we're creating. But I also think that within that is you've got some fairly high intent folks and our ability to capture those high intent folks at those trade shows. That's where the playbook you mentioned before, Camel, I think will pay off the ability to identify and get them to the booth and engage with them via speakers. I think it's a piece that's going to continue to work. Yeah. And I think how you track that and communicate that to the rest of your executive team is going to be really crucial and setting expectations up front. Absolutely essential. I remember participating in a very, very large healthcare trade show and having the CEO come to me three days later asking how much revenue had come out of it. And we had a nine-month sales cycle. A misalignment of expectations were definitely present there. So the earlier you start talking about it, the more you set expectations, the better off you'll be when you decide to make that investment. What do you think is going to be happening for you and Caliber Mine in 2023? Hearing some of this from me for the first time in terms of our experience, how are you guys feeling about next year? I already have my eye on a few events that I do want to participate in. I am trying to get some of us on the speaking lists already, been applying we are going to be using that playbook, but also setting the expectation that this is a long-term play. If we can find meaningful ways to draw people in and participate one-on-one -on -one with us, we're going to try that, of course. So, And without naming names, I'm really curious. Are you thinking about next year in terms of maybe smaller, more intimate events? Or are you thinking about the big circus? And so I'll give an example of the big circus. I'm not asking you if you're going to be at the big circus. I'm giving you the examples, right? Oracle Open World, Dreamforce. Those are examples of the, the big half-million-dollar investment events. Where are you guys falling in terms of how you're thinking about next year? I would say the really large events don't expect us to have a booth. We will be there in some capacity. We will be looking for people we can partner with and perhaps have an event on the side those sorts of things. I think a lot of smaller companies are probably thinking a bit more along those lines. If I can get a speaking engagement at a smaller event that's squarely in our ICP and we know people in our customer base and prospect base are going to be there, then a booth is on the table. Okay. I think this conversation we're going to be having for a while, Kamala. I, I yeah. will tell you that I think we're first in along with some other 
sort of pre-scale but still large organizations. I think we're the first in. You can see your peers at event after event. And I have to say, I've certainly quizzed my fellow leaders as much as I can. I think the jury's still out for all of us. So I think maybe a couple months from now, let's dig back in, see what you guys are thinking, see how we're doing. In the meantime, live events are back, folks. And I have to say, if you're not in there right now, put your toe in the water a little bit because as Kamala's pointing out, there's a playbook. Our playbook didn't work. It might work for Kamala, but you got to get out there and test it. All right. Well, Kamala, thanks for being on the podcast. What do we got on tap for next month? What are top of mind things going on for you and I right now? We talked about Buyer's Toolkit that's still there for us, but it's really the shifting sands of the economy are hitting us, I think, harder than we even we expected. I know Kamala because of Caliber Mine such a cool tool. If you haven't checked it out, check it out, folks. You had indications via Caliber Mine in early spring or mid-spring that something was coming. So I think that's our I think it's one of the topics we want to cover is really help fellow revenue leaders with, which is how do you manage for the shifting sands of the changing economy? Yeah. And how do you validate the basics are still working for your business? So I think a lot of us make assumptions around persona and quite a few other things. Our buyer committees may be changing. How can we read the tea leaves and respond appropriately? There we go. Big brain, Kamala, big brain, Doug, we're going to help you guys out. Thanks for joining us today. Kamala, really appreciate it. Looking forward to having you back on. Thanks for having me on again. All right. That wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Kamala Thompson, VP of Marketing at Cal Reminds, for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Kamala or contact her, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact her on Twitter where her handle is Kamala Thompson or visit her company website at calibermind.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.